Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hello, everyone. I am Kevin Cruz. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we help you to become a great leader. We help you to increase the engagement of your team, and we even help you to stand out from the crowd. Now, today, I am so excited. It's one of the biggest shows we've ever had. Yes, we've had on Alan Alda. We've had Captain Sully Sullenberger. We've had so many greats. But today, I speak to someone who is arguably the biggest leadership guru of all time. We'll discuss the pros and cons of goal setting, why you cannot lead people if you need people, and I even sneak in a question at the very end about the value of living from your calendar, your schedule, instead of a to-do list, you know, my favorite contrarian productivity tip. But like all our other big guests, they aren't the easiest to schedule a recording with. You know, they have their own schedule. We're lucky to get the time slot. They're not going to click a Zoom link and come on video. So we had to use old-fashioned phone lines, and the recording might not be the quality that you're used to. We got clipped off in the very beginning of the interview a little bit. But I guarantee you it is pure gold. But before we get to the interview, if you haven't visited leadx.org in a while, you've got to hustle on over. Even if you did the free trial before, do the free trial again because we've added so much functionality, so much content. For like 20-something bucks a month, you can use a Netflix-style menu on your phone or on a website to access hundreds of resources for your professional development. We've got our webinar archive, micro-learning videos, adding book summaries any week now, and every month there's new content added, so you're never going to run out of material. You can learn about effective feedback, how to delegate better. That is a superpower. How to fix your broken open door policy. And of course, the whole thing is powered by IBM Watson. So Coach Amanda is your virtual coach. She's going to diagnose your personality, talk to you like a best friend, assuming your best friend was a leadership coach. And so much more. There's a lot that's happened in the last couple of months. So visit leadx.org. Take it for a spin. Seven-day free trial. I think you're going to love it. Now, our quote of the day, improving yourself is the first step to improving everything else. Now, on to our guest. He is a number one New York Times bestselling author, coach, and speaker who has sold more than 30 million books in 50 languages. Business Insider and Inc. have both called him the most influential leadership expert in the world. He has received the Mother Teresa Prize for Global Peace. And he's here today to talk about his newest book, Leadership, 11 Essential Changes Every Leader Must Embrace. Our guest is John Maxwell. John, we often ask our guests to share a time when they failed at something because as you've said yourself, there is no win or lose. It's only Win or learn. I've had a lot of setbacks, obviously, but you don't count your losses, you count your lessons. And uh, one of my earliest failures was that I hired a staff member and I was very young and I got all excited about mentoring him and pouring my life into him and uh, felt, you know, what was I, 24? We'd spend our life together, you know, helping, serving, adding value to people. 
And so I just gave him a hundred percent. I mean, I, I held nothing back and trusted him and loved him and did everything I could to build into him. And about three years into that relationship, he uh, just really violated it. Mm. And it was very hurtful, very hurtful. And I had to let him go. And I remember saying, you know, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. This hurt too much. You know, I poured myself into somebody and, you know, wow, it didn't turn out like I wanted to. So I know I have to have a staff and I'll hire them, but I'll never get close to them again. Mm. I'll just kind of give them a job, give them a position, you know, say, you do your work, I'll do my work, we'll meet at the Christmas party, that kind of stuff. And I did that. I really did that. I hired the next person, gave them a title, position, place, job, get going, and I did my thing. And I'm about six months into this new kind of way of having a staff relationship, and I realized it's just not working. It's just not working. and It's not who I am. And so I began to kind of say, okay, you know, what's the good news? What's the bad news? The good news is I wasn't going to be hurt again. And then all of a sudden it hit me, Kevin, you know, the the good news is they can't hurt me if I do this, but the bad news is they can't help me. Mm. And I made a decision back then that I would be hurt. I was not naive enough to think that I would make great decisions all my life. And so therefore I would never uh, be vulnerable. I just said, okay, leadership means that you do things of which you know you're going to be hurt in doing. And it was a great decision for me. And I've been hurt several times. So that prophecy came true. (laughs) But it also has been a great asset to me because truthfully, it's allowed me to get close to a lot of people, to add value to an incredible amount of people. Some of my best friends and closest relationships are people that I work with on a daily basis. And it's been the best thing. But I look back at that and I think, wow, I've seen it happen to me on other occasions where I made not such a good decision, but then I really compounded that not so good decision by making a a worse decision. And I thought, I'm just going to quit compounding bad decisions. And, you know, when I hit the ball out of bounds, I'm going to take my penalty stroke and drop the ball and hit it again. And it's been a great lesson for me and it's helped me a lot. I'm glad you shared that, John, because I do think that classic wisdom is, you know, all of a sudden you become the the manager or the boss and suddenly you have to remain aloof because you need to make objective decisions. God forbid you have to fire someone. It would be awkward if you were friendly with them. And I had early, I can't really call them mentors, but they tried to be, you know, said leadership is all about acting and I needed to act a certain way and keep my mask on. Otherwise, I'd be taken advantage of. And uh, as your story points out, though, you can protect yourself to a certain degree, but boy, you get so much more and so much further when you actually care and connect. I mean, employee engagement. No doubt. You know, authenticity is the new standard of leadership. I'm just glad I learned the lesson. I really am because I was heading down a wrong path there. And I don't think you have to wear a mask at all as a leader. I think you need to take your mask off and let your people see you not only your strengths, but your weaknesses, and and then ask them to come around and compliment you and help you and make up for those deficiencies in in my life. My team does it for me all the time. Yeah. So, John, your newest book is Leadership, 11 Essential Changes Every Leader Must Embrace. And when I first saw it, I thought this was going to be a book for just limited to first-time managers, making that shift from individual contributor to manager. But it's not. I mean, these are essential changes we all need to make, and and you share some stories in the book that some of them, it it took you a long time to make yourself. Why is this book so important for all of us now? Why did you decide to write it now? Well, you know, some books I I write in my heart for years before I put it on paper, and this is one of them. 
I've been carrying this book probably for a dozen years, but I never was ready to write it because I was still shifting. And to be honest with you, I'm going to shift some more. But I felt that it was kind of like the time to share. And really, what I'm wanting the reader to really grab hold of is that leaders have to be agile, they have to be flexible, and they have to be secure enough to change. And that's not always easy because as leaders, when we start to do something well, we want to kind of get a formula and kind of develop a set plan and basically then go around the country telling everybody else this is the way to do it. But it doesn't happen. And here's why. I wrote the book now because things are moving and changing so quickly. And leadership is the sands of leadership are moving on us. You know, leaders see more than others see and they see before others see, Kevin. And when I started off, my gosh, what, 45 years ago, seeing more than others see, that was essential having the big picture. But today it's shifted and now it's more important to see before others see. Mm. And so if you're going to see before others see, you got to seize what you see and, and make that shift. And I was good and ready to speak for a company recently. So I was on a pre-call with them and they told me that their theme when it came was going to be fast forward. And they asked me what that meant to me. And I said, well, fast means faster. I don't know how fast it is, but I know this, it, it's, it's faster than it's ever been before. Mm. And uh, the, the speed keeps increasing. And when somebody says, I'm not going to make a decision to things kind of settle and slow down, I just tell them, you're not going to make a decision. Uh, they're not settling and they're not slowing. It fastest, faster and forward. Gosh, forward, shorter. Again, back in my earlier days of leading, you could make a 10-year growth plan and, and, and uh, you could have a five-year mid-range plan and a two-year short-range plan. We'll shoot a two-year short-range plan back then as a mega long plan today. And, you know, everything's shorter than it was and everything's faster than it was. If that's the case, which it is, then the agile leader, the one who's flexible, the one who can see it and move toward it. You know, we used to have a first, second, third. We're getting to a place where there's just a first. Right. And uh, and I really want to help people understand that and say to them, you're going to have to shift before you have all the answers. People say, well, you know, I'm uncertain. Well, this is the world we're in. You're going to lead in uncertainty. In fact, if you think about it, why do people need leaders if there's not a lack and not uncertainty? That's why they need leaders. So I love this book. I love it because I know what's going to happen. People are going to pick it up and the lights are going to come on. Once I had my light turned on, I, I just want to go into the rooms of people's lives, turn their lights on, and they're going to have a lot of aha kind of times as they read the pages. And they're going to say, oh my gosh, got it. Need to shift a little bit on this way. And so that's why I wrote the book. I certainly had a lot of those, those ahas, and I'm looking at my copy of the book with all the dog-eared pages, which is always a, a good sign. And you know, with the short program we have, we of course can't go through all 11 shifts, but you know, one that stood out to me was chapter three, goals to growth. And you, know, you share that traditional goal setting, it actually served you very well early in your career. You did achieve quite a lot, but you've sort of evolved on your views of traditional goal setting. Can you share on that? Yeah, I really did. I'm glad you brought that up because like all people, in fact, my first personal growth kit was out of SMI, Waco, Texas, a goal-setting growth kit. I learned to set goals, and it served me very well. But I think the change came when I heard Earl Nightingale talk about the fact that if you had spent one hour a day every day on the same subject for five years, okay, you could become an expert on that subject. And uh, I thought, my gosh, this is huge. I was just becoming aware of the importance of leadership. So I said, I'm going to do that for five years. I want to study leadership, and I did. Every day, an hour of you know reading about leadership, talking to leaders, asking questions, doing leadership practices, just 
leading for an hour every day. And and I started off, I was goal-oriented. I said, well, Nightingale said five years, so how long will it take? Well, you know, five years, okay, done. With year one, four years, three years, I was kind of like Cape Canaveral. And about halfway through that five-year stretch, Kevin, one day I just caught myself. I was no longer asking how long will it take. Mm. This is a major shift. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not counting down anymore. (laughs) And, And all of a sudden I realized my life was changing. All of a sudden, I wasn't so committed to getting to a destination as I was taking the journey. And my life was really changing. I mean, I was becoming a different person. And I stopped asking the question, how long will it take? And I started asking the question, how far can I go? Mm. I'm telling you, I've asked that question now. I started that at about 25 and, you know, I'm 71 and I'm still asking, how far can I go? There's no finish line. (laughs) And what I discovered was that if you are always growing, you're going to hit all your goals anyway. But the difference is if I'm goal oriented, I hit a destination, I celebrate and I say, what's next? Well, if you're growth-oriented, you hit these goals and you know what's next. There's a difference between what's next and you know what's next. Well, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. I'm still going forward. And I see it never stopping. And I don't want it to stop. And so I enjoy the fruit of goals, but I'm really experiencing the expansion that growth gives me that goal setting never will. Yeah. And I love that point that so many people who do the classic goal setting, they achieve their goal and they have that slightly empty feeling inside because it's like, yeah. uh-oh, oh, now yeah. what? <laughs> I see it all the time, Kevin. And if you're growth oriented, you never ask that question again. So it's a huge shift for me and I'm loving it. You know, my father's 97 and I was with him the other day and he was saying, John, he said, I, I, think, I think my greatest days are still ahead of me. That's great. And I thought, gosh, he's 97, you know, He's going to live till he dies and he's not going to get too confused. And gosh, I I just watch a lot of people. And and what I tell people all the time is that if you set goals, if you put finish lines out there, the good news is you can cross them. And the bad news is you cross them. Mm. And when you cross the finish line, guess what? You're finished. That's right. And who wants to have that kind of a life? I want to have it before me. I, I want to keep stretching. I want to keep reaching. You know, I want to keep climbing. So yeah, it's a great shift. It served me so well. And it keeps me in the game. I had a guy asked me the other day, he said, John, you've stayed in the game a long time, buddy. You know, how do you do that? <laughs> I said, well, I realize it's not the same game. And again, people, they miss that. You know, you take an example, the game of baseball. Okay. You know, it's the game of baseball. Well, it may be the game of baseball, but it's not the same game. I mean, if you play two days of baseball, the second day isn't like the first day. The only thing that's in common is it's called baseball. Mm. And, you know, Babe Ruth said it well. He said, you know, yesterday's home run won't win today's game. <laughs> and I watch people, heck, I watch people all the time. They're still waiting for yesterday's home run to win the game for them today. <laughs> and, and it didn't go to happen. You know, yes, it's called by the same name, but it isn't the same game. What we have to understand is that's the way life is, too. Every day there's a midnight. And every day there's a noon. And every day that clock goes right. But every day isn't the same. The moment that we try to make every day the same, the game the same, the moment we try to you know, get a pattern, a formula, something set, we're desperately in trouble. And the best things in life pass us by very quickly. And that's such an important shift. And, and another one that really jumped out at me, uh, chapter five, it's the shift from, uh, you say, pleasing people to challenging people. And the quote there that you start off, you say, you cannot lead people if you need people. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, what I mean by that is that's what I did in my early leadership years. 
I just really needed people to follow me. And, you know, I, I needed them to be pleased and I want them to like me. Now, I grew up in a wonderful home. We got along really well. It was a good home. I kind of won the parent lottery. So hmm. I was used to a culture where everybody talked out the tough things and solved their issues and, and basically got along. And when I started leading, officially leading, I found out that some people weren't happy. And I just assumed it was me that I was the problem, that I, you know, if I was a better leader, everybody would follow me. If I was a better leader, everybody would be happy. If I was a better leader, everybody would get on board. I need them to get on board. Oh my gosh, I need them to be pleased. I was needing people, so I was chasing people. I wasn't leading people, I was chasing them. And it took me a period of time. This is a, a shift that, oh my gosh, I, it was probably about a five-year shift, really. But it took me a long time to get through it and understand that I lead people better if I don't need them. When I wrote the 21 Laws of Leadership, I was signing books one day at a conference, and a guy brought the book to me signed. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I disagree with one of the laws in your book. And, and so I signed the book, and I handed it back to him. He said, that's okay. And he just stood there. And he said, no, I don't think you heard me say I disagree with one of your laws. <laughs> I said, well, no, I, I did hear you. And it's okay. You don't have to agree with all the laws. And then all of a sudden, I realized it wasn't okay with him, that it was okay with me, that, that it wasn't okay. So I stopped and I said, look, you know, I wrote the book to help you, not to make you happy. <laughs> and uh, that was a real break. That was a real shift to leadership for me when I realized hey, my goal is to make everybody happy. Not everybody's going to get on the train. Not everybody's going to buy the vision. Not everybody's going to like me. But I'm, I got to help people. I got to add value to people. And I got to lead and do the right thing and be the right person. And that means sometimes the train leaves without people. And not everybody's going to want to have my vision or stand up and give me an ovation. And it was a great shift for me. It gave me incredible freedom to lead when I quit trying to make sure everybody was had unanimously agreed with something before we moved on. It was life-changing for me. And it was one of my longer shifts because it was so ingrained in me to make everybody pleased or happy or on the team that it just took a while. But I got there. And the reason I wrote the book is because, you know, before I made that shift, I wish somebody would have written this book for me. <laughs> and I wish I could have sat down and said, oh, it's okay for me to leave somebody. It's okay for me to move the train on out. And I had nobody. And so therefore, I'm still out there saying all aboard, all aboard, and going and put them on the seat and fastening their belt and the whole deal. And as I wrote this book on shifting, I thought this book is going to give a lot of people confidence and security to do probably what they intuitively know they should do, but they've just never been given permission to do it. And this is going to give them permission. And I'll say, oh, okay, I can move. I don't even have to be the same kind of leader I was. I got to make a change here. John, I still can't get over just the fact that someone comes face to face with John Maxwell and uses that time to disagree with uh, <laughs> one of your points. <laughs> <laughs> you know what really cracked me up about that, Kevin? <laughs> You know, when I wrote the Laws book, because I wrote the Laws of Growth, Laws of Teamwork, and Laws of Leadership, when I wrote those laws, I take them through a grid. And it takes a long time to get them through that grid, because if it's to be a law, it has to be able to work in every culture. It has to be able to work at any time, 100 years from now, 100 years back. It has to be able to work regardless of gender. I mean, I've got certain grids to take it through. And so it's kind of like a person saying, you know, I, I disagree with the law of gravity. Well, okay. I mean, <laughs> that's your call. 
<laughs> right, but you know, Kevin, just go up that four-story building and jump off, and you immediately buy into the law of gravity. You know, the law of gravity doesn't ask for you to kind of like it; it just says this is the way it works. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was it was kind of an amusing thing to me. He finally left. I'm not sure he liked it. <laughs> so, John, I know we only have a few more minutes, and you know, I think so many people know you from, from your work, your books and your speeches and all that you've done in the leadership world. And I don't know that people know much about what you do when you're not on stage, you know, figuratively or, or literally. I mean, what's, what's a typical morning look like for John Maxwell? Do you have any routines or consistent things you do at the start of the day? A couple of consistent things. I write every day. I do write every day. Now, I happen to be, because of, uh, of the time of the year, I, I happen to be in a real writing season. And so when I'm home and I can write, I get up around 5, 5.15. By 5.30, I'm writing. And I try to write till noon if I can. Sometimes I mentally run out of gas. But every day I write. Even if I travel, every day, you know, I write. Every day, I intentionally add value to somebody. Mm. Every morning I look at my schedule, I get up and I say, okay, who am I going to be with? Who am I going to see? What am I going to do that I could add value? And I intentionally add value. In fact, every evening I go through the day again and I say, okay, who did I add value to and how did I do that? So I do that every day. The third thing I do every day is I serve my team. I have, I don't know, five companies now, I guess. And I don't run them at all, but I have a guy named Mark Cole, who's the CEO of all the companies that I have presence of the companies, but I just work with Mark basically. And so, you know, every day I check in with him and ask what I can do to help him and how can I lift his load and what can I do to serve him. But every day I try to serve, every day I try to add value, every day I try to write. I'll tell you what's beautiful. This is good for all of the people that are tuned into your show. I'll tell you what's really incredible. And what I've just discovered the last few years in a major way is consistency compounds. This is huge. I know it now. I'm kind of teaching this lesson, especially to younger people, as I'm just saying, you've got to understand, once you find your purpose and mission, you just do it every day. And wow, you know, it's kind of like when you graduate from college, you get your diploma, everybody gives you flowers and candy and gifts and takes pictures and they say, congratulations. You know, when you got your diploma that day, you didn't become a success that day. It just showed up, but you just got recognized for it. You became a success when you enrolled in college. You became a success when you went to class. You became a success when you took the test. You became a success when you studied. You're already a success. It just shows up later on. This consistency stuff, if you're really doing the right thing, you're already successful. It just hadn't shown up. But when it shows up, it shows up big. And you say, oh my gosh, you know, I had no idea. Well, of course you had no idea. It's been compounding that whole time. And so consistency is not a sexy word. So, you know, if somebody comes up to you, Kevin, and says, I, I want to tell you what I most admire about you. And you know, wow, you said, I wonder what they're going to say. Or are they going to say, I'm a good communicator? <laughs> hey, am I creative? Oh, maybe, maybe they'll talk about how I'm a genius or, you know, what? And then they'll catch you say, you know, the thing I love about you is you're so consistent. <laughs> you kind of go, oh, crap. That wasn't what I was looking for. So it's not a sexy word, but my gosh. It's huge. You're sharing how consistent your schedule is. And I really heard that word. You said, I get up and I look at my schedule. And I get a lot of fights about this, but it seems to me that a lot of highly successful people, they really live from a schedule rather than a to-do list. Would you say that that's fair? You're really, each day you're working from your schedule rather than a list? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question about it. The question is not where your calendar will be full. The question is who's going to fill your calendar. <laughs> when you fill your calendar with your giftedness and your strengths and your priorities, you know, you can get a lot. You know, activity is not necessarily accomplishments. You can get a lot done if you schedule yourself correctly. It's the way I live. It's what I do. So, John, I know you have to run. Give us a challenge. What's one thing we can do today to become better leaders? Well, leadership is influence. So when I talk about that, it's not titles, not positions. A lot of the people on your program, they're sitting there and they're listening and they're thinking, okay, I don't have a leadership position. It doesn't matter. You influence people. And how do you increase your influence? Well, you increase your influence by adding value to people. You just think about people that consistently add value to you, Kevin. And they're very influential in your life. They connect with you and you look forward to being with them and you look forward to time. And so what I tell people every day is, you know, live intentionally. If I gave one word of advice to anybody, I'd say, live an intentional life. Don't just accept your life, lead it intentionally. Intentionally add value to people every day. And you will find you'll have more friends than you could ever imagine. You're going to have more influence than you could have ever thought you'd have. And you're going to be able to help a lot more people than you ever thought you were going to have. So Again, the great things are the simple things, but they have to be consistent. And uh, simple becomes significant once it's repeated over and over again in a beautiful way. So every day, just make it a commitment intentionally to add value to people and go out and do it. And you'll see everything begins to change in your life when you do that. Fantastic. The new book again, Leader Shift, 11 Essential Changes Every Leader Must Embrace, available everywhere. John Maxwell, thank you so much for coming on the program. Hey, thank you, my friend. It's just great to be with you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because, you know, I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And... If you want to become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at LeadX.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at LeadX.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away. Part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today? <laughs>